Thank you for listening to The Leader. We'd love it if you tell your friends about us. And subscribe too using your preferred podcast provider. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland, stuck on a cruise ship with coronavirus on board. I am now getting just a fraction concerned about the health checks that I believe should be taking place, because if there are more infected people on board, they should be taken off. We want a virus-free ship. David Abel's been live broadcasting updates from the Diamond Princess docked off Japan, but when will people like him be allowed home? Our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil, has bad news. Also, two-thirds of the senators present not having pronounced him guilty, the Senate adjudges that respondent Donald John Trump, President of the United States, is not guilty as charged. Donald Trump emerged from an impeachment hearing unscathed. Our US correspondent David Gardner says the president's delighted have the Democrats doomed their election chances. And... How do you know how I feel about you? How deep it goes? Maybe I don't want anybody to own me, you or anybody. Get out! Get out! Get out! Kirk Douglas has died aged 103. Our arts correspondent Robert Dex on the legacy of the man who defined and bravely defied Hollywood. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, how is the UK trying to stop the spread of coronavirus? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Docked near Yokohama in Japan, 3,700 people are quarantined on the cruise ship Diamond Princess. Look, we're no longer on a cruise. You know, all of the luxury of having someone, a steward, come into the cabin, make the bed, put chocolates on the pillow, change the towels, face cloths, clean the bathroom, those days are gone. It just ain't happening. David Abel's one of them, and he's been live streaming about life in confinement, revealing the fears of those trapped with coronavirus on board. A little while ago, we had the Coast Guard come alongside to take off 
10 more passengers, but now we have 20 confirmed infected passengers with the coronavirus. What health checks have we had? None whatsoever. There has been no health check, so we do not know whether there are people on board still that have got uh, symptoms that may have the virus. We just do not know. In the outside world, the virus is spreading with nearly 30,000 confirmed cases. The number of deaths is heading towards 600. Here in the UK, Health Secretary Matt Hancock has been outlining what action the government is taking. This is not about one part of the world. It's about making sure that we have the proper response. So we have plans in place, we're working through those plans, uh, and uh, we'll make sure that we do everything that we can to keep people safe. Our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil, is in our Westminster office. Nicholas, there has been talk about the UK banning people coming into the country from China. Is that going to happen? Certainly not uh, immediately. My understanding is that ministers are considering a ban on foreign visitors from China, but it's certainly not a step that's going to be taken in coming days. What we know is that diplomats have told people in China that such a, a, a ban is under, quotes, constant review. But certainly at the moment, the chief medical officer, Chris Whitty, is not recommending that such a, a drastic step is taken here. And certainly some other countries, including America and Australia, are already imposing restrictions on foreign visitors from China in an attempt to make sure that coronavirus does not get into their country and, and spread. And Matt Hancock has been talking about his conversations with China. What sort of things have the Chinese government themselves been doing? Well, the Chinese ambassador to London uh, this morning gave a press conference in which he criticised the British government's response in particular the advice to some 30,000 Britons still in China that they should leave. Now, the, the Foreign Office gave this advice really because of concerns over growing travel restrictions, which might make it harder for Britons to, to leave the country with more restrictions on highways, on rail links and, and at airports. The ambassador, the Chinese ambassador, has suggested that this was an overreaction and that it may actually create panic. Senior MPs and foreign office experts here have rejected the criticism. One said it was unconvincing and another said it was surprising. So the the aim here is to try and stop that spread, but there has been uh, another case confirmed in the UK. Yes, we've had one more case confirmed at lunchtime today. This is, we know very few details. Uh, we understand that the patient has been transferred to a specialist NHS centre and uh, he's getting robust infection control measures to try and ensure that the condition doesn't get worse. Next. There's generally a giddy kind of feeling that Mr Trump is heading for a successful re-election campaign, something probably most people would never have imagined when he was elected four years ago. Our US correspondent David Gardner on the fallout from a failed attempt to impeach Donald Trump. 
The Democrats took aim at Donald Trump and missed. His impeachment trial has failed. The president cleared of charges of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. What's next? Well, our U.S. correspondent David Gardner's on the line. David, Donald Trump seems pretty fired up by this result. How is he going to use it to power up his election campaign? As much as Donald Trump may have been personally stung by the impeachment, he's loving this now. You can tell by the atmosphere coming out of the White House at the moment. They're tweeting videos, well, knocked-up videos, of the president dancing. There's, there's generally a giddy kind of feeling that Mr Trump is heading for a successful re-election campaign, something probably most people would never have imagined when he was elected four years ago. The impeachment and the, the failure of the, the Democrats to really get it over the line just feeds into his base and his sense of community he's created within that base. David, Mitt Romney did vote against him and became the first senator to ever vote against their party's president in an impeachment trial. Was it just symbolic or does it have any lasting impact? The truth is, I don't think it's going to make any difference too much to Mr Trump or to the Republican Party generally. Um, Mitt Romney is something of a busted flush. He fought for the presidency and lost, fairly uh, solidly lost, um, and his power inside the party as a more moderate force is one that was kind of yesterday's man. So how do the Democrats pick themselves up after this, after what's been a pretty awful week for them? The way it turned out was Nancy Pelosi's worst fear, really. She was hesitant about bringing an impeachment against the president, worrying that it may feed into his re-election campaign, and that's exactly as it's turned out. They also have an issue that there is no outstanding Democrat candidate to take on Mr Trump in November. Once again, the results coming out of Iowa, delayed as they are, are not giving any clear idea of anyone standing out from the field. Uh, one of the frontrunners, Joe Biden, perhaps the, the one candidate who could claim to have the experience to take on Donald Trump, failed miserably. He came in fourth, calling it a, a punch to the gut, really. and uh, It would be hard for him to come back. In the months that follow maybe one of the pack will, will, will emerge as a real force but at the moment frankly it's not looking too bright the impeachment verdict was covered in our audio news bulletins there's a new one at 7 a.m every weekday just ask your smart speaker for the news from the evening standard now Hollywood's mourning one of its greatest, Kirk Douglas, who has died with tributes coming from the likes of Steven Spielberg, who said the star retained his movie star charisma right to the end of his wonderful life. The actor's son, Michael Douglas, says he was a legend, a humanitarian and simply dad. The Evening Standard's editorial columns marked his passing too. Spartacus is no more. Kirk Douglas, one of Hollywood's greatest figures, has died at the age of 103 after a career spanning seven decades and a host of wonderful roles. His legacy on and off screen will live on. Well, the Evening Standard's arts correspondent Robert Dex is here. Robert, Kirk Douglas with his square jaw, the dimpled chin and that ferocity in his performance. He was the very definition of what a movie star is. Yeah, I mean, if you just, A, the people he worked with, people like Billy Wilder and Stanley Kubrick, he obviously could spot talent. I have 
apologize for not being entirely honest with you. I apologize for not revealing my true feelings. I apologize, sir, for not telling you sooner that you're a degenerate, sadistic old man. And you can go to hell before I apologize to you now or ever again. But he was also he was that kind of Hollywood actor. I mean, he was he was not born Kirk Douglas. He he was the son of poor Jewish immigrants who grew up in a very small town in upstate New York, and he became Kirk Douglas. And that sort of idea of Hollywood where you can fulfill your dreams and become what you want to be. But also he was he never forgot his roots. He always um, he, he gave away you know millions and millions of dollars. He supported small theaters, film schools, things like that. Um, he was intensely political. He's very much a Democrat. Um, and brought up his his family with um, with with his politics, and again, it's that whole idea of Hollywood leading men and big Hollywood icons who are big presences on screen and off screen, as you say. And he risked his career when he went to bat for a, a screenwriter who'd been blacklisted under the the McCarthy era, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Dalton Trumbo, who um, I mean, basically, writers, actors, directors, people who were thought to have had vaguely left wing views were blacklisted from Hollywood. Either they couldn't work, or when they did work, they worked under other people's names and were paid a pittance of what they should have got. Spartacus changed that because Dalton Trumbo wrote it, got full credit, and that was it. And and once that had been done, that was like the, the first sort of chink in the wall, and then more and more people got the credit they deserved. But I think it... I mean, there's a lot of talk about who did what in that, that era, and it, it still divides people in Hollywood now. The, the main thing is, I think Douglas knew it was a great film. And when it's a great film, you get forgiven a lot. And when you see, when you know that about the making of the film, and when you see that famous scene of everybody standing up saying, I am Spartacus, it adds an extra level, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, Dalton Trumbo clearly knew what he was doing as well. I'm Spartacus! 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 knew that lots of people had been called to give evidence against um, the writers and, and fellow actors and, and had refused to do so. And there was obviously an echo of that in those uh, those who sort of stood against the, the, the blacklist, in, in those slaves who um, refused to hand over their leader at the end and um, all go on to have particularly unpleasant deaths in the final scenes of the film. Kirk Douglas himself never won a competitive Oscar, despite films like Spartacus. He did get a Lifetime Achievement one at the end, but I think that's a, a bit of a miss for the, the Academy Awards, isn't it? Um, it often is. I mean, it's often like those things when you, you look back to see what the really successful films were of 30, 40, 50 years ago, and you haven't heard of half of them. And the ones that you have heard of that have survived often don't get the recognition at first. It's, it's that... Um, slow burner effect in so many great films he was in at the time they they came out and you know people liked them and they went to see them but it's only with time and with hindsight that you realize just how good they were and how good he was and that's the leader subscribe through your podcast provider and like share and comment too we're back tomorrow at 4 p.m Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. 
Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.